there, Jilted Indian Podcast listeners. It's Pooja. And Miranda. And we are here with special guest Jilted Indian, Proma Kosla, who you may have heard on our reimagination of the Yule Ball podcast that we released a couple weeks ago. And Proma is an entertainment writer for Mashable, formerly of Brown Girl Magazine. She's also a stand-up comic, a writer, a partnatium dancer and instructor. And wow, she has time <laughs> to do all her passions. So we are very excited to speak with her today. Welcome, Proma. Well, we should say welcome again. Well, yes, welcome again. <laughs> You are a generous, generous person because (laughs) we had a recording malfunction and we actually recorded this uh, interview originally from LeakyCon. So, uh, Proma, how do you find the energy to do everything you do? (laughs) Oh my God. Um, That's a really great question, actually. I think I realized in grade school that, like, if I don't care about something, I just won't do it. Like, it's just laziness like I cannot be motivated in any way to participate in something that I don't care about so I just surrounded myself and filled my life with stuff that I do care about and it that keeps me going it's just like yeah I might be tired but if the next thing I'm doing is like oh I have a dance performance or like oh I get to like write about a cool thing then I'm gonna do it because I want to I love that so much because you know some of us have to do Julia Cameron's the artist way to even tap a fraction of that (laughs) (laughs) So, you are an insane Harry Potter fan. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about your fandom with Harry Potter to start? Yes, I would love to. Uh, so, I first read Harry Potter when I was eight. Um, it, was, it was a birthday present. Shout out, to, shout out to Beth for giving me Harry Potter for my birthday. Um, and then I, I read it actually at a very pivotal time in my life which I didn't realize but like I read it while my family was moving on our road trip from uh the east coast to the midwest from Boston to Michigan which is where I was born and where I grew up and I just it took like took hold of me I would not talk to people sometimes during that trip like I'd go shut myself in my room and read the book because it was just so good um and then I would like came home demanded the second book the third book and the fourth book which at the time did not exist and so began (laughs) So began the waiting game that Harry Potter fans are now very familiar with. But it's I think it's funny to look back and be like, me in 1999 being like, uh, Papa, can we go get the fourth one? And he's like, uh, no, we can't. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then so as I was like in, when I was a teenager, I think when I was 14, I like went on the internet and was like, let's see what happens if I type in Harry Potter. I like got a computer in my room. Uh, and that brought me to MuggleNet and the Leaky Cauldron and my like daily dose of Harry Potter news. Again, this was, like, at a young age, realizing that I care more about entertainment news of a very specific kind than about actual news, which, not great, but it's who I am. And I started writing fan fiction, which was so much fun, and then just, like, going on jkrowling.com and all that stuff. And I found other friends through the internet for the first time, through, like, chat rooms, through, like, we were fans of the same podcast, so, like, MuggleCast and PotterCast. That turned into going to conventions, which I've been doing since 2006. Like, I think, yeah, every single year since then, I've gone to at least one Harry Potter convention. And I started working for LeakyCon in 2012, purely at that point because, like, I had been going for so long. Like, I knew Melissa from just, like, we see each other every year for a few days in this environment that we're both absolutely thriving. And she was like, hey, I need to, like, build up my staff. 
and I was first I was a volunteer coordinator with two of my best friends and then made the switch to creative in 2015 I want to say um and then yeah as of last year I've been going like I'm still like friends with all the staff but I like kind of transitioned into and now part of the LeakyCon Brain Trust which is like this sort of advisory board that we help with the convention um and I'm basically there as like a full-time presenter and panelist which is the coolest thing in the world I'm a professional Harry Potter fan we were just talking about that before we got on with you and how um, it seems like LeakyCon has been something embedded in your life for so for such a long period of time now that I think it's one of those things that you look forward to what you know outside of school like what do you have when you reach that age when you reach adulthood like what else is there to keep you like connected to people in a way when you were learning to connect to people and I think having specifically Harry Potter and this annual event to always keep you going is something that's so cool that many adults don't have so um, all the things you were saying that you were doing when you were eight and 10, I was doing, I'm, you know, a, I think a decade older than you. So I was doing it 18, 19, <laughs> yeah. you know, at work study, being on MuggleNet, trying to get them to publish my thing about dragons that never made it. But, you know, um, I feel, I, I feel that I appreciate that. But I love that. I love how, how universal that is. Like that just speaks to like how accessible Harry Potter and, and the internet made everything. Gotta say, it was really freaking cool to show up to LeakyCon. It was on the second day of LeakyCon that Pooja and I rolled up to see you up there interviewing what we learned was your favorite band, Harry Harry and and the the Potters. Potters. That was my uh, first concert at 15 was Harry and the Potters at my first convention, Lumos. And so like to see the journey, my friends and I talk about this all the time where we're like, we're so lucky, like... I love telling people my favorite band is Harry and the Potters, and I love that I get to have a favorite band who I have seen at a minimum, like, once a year for 15 years, who I know by name and can just, like, go up to and they're wearing their, like, yellow jumpsuits and selling sandwiches. Like, you can't do that with, like, I don't know, I can't, like, Ariana Grande, I get like... <laughs> I mean, people can, but that's sad. Any, every single Harry and the Potters fan can go up to them and meet them. If you haven't already, please do that. They're, they're wonderful people. If you are, if you feel the same way about Ariana Grande, I think, um, you know, just, you can go to a concert. That's the best it'll get for most of us, which is fine. But I, we have, are so lucky with this weird little world that we've all built. I know. And, and it's like, do you feel like kind of, is it a kinship bond or is it now looking at the world we're in? Is it more like that plus escapism? Is that, how are you, how is the fandom moving? Do you think? It is. um, So it's like what you mentioned before, that thing that you come back to, I think for a lot of people, if you've been going to conventions for even like, even if it's your second one, like if you've gone more than once, it's kind of like going home. People say this a lot where it's like, it's this sort of safe space, home base where you can go. And like, (laughs) Uh, I know this comedian who says that, um, like, we get really um, worked up about microaggressions, and he's like, the real world is full of macroaggressions. And I think about that all the time, where it's like, yeah, it is. And, like, we can't, you know, there's a lot of, not, like, backlash sometimes with PC culture about, like, making everything safe for everybody. But I love that at LeakCon, it's, like, a guarantee. Like, if nothing else, for four days, I can make this place totally comfortable and great for people. And that's really important. And it's been so important for me to be part of that in um, over the past several years and then now I think now that I've been in it long enough I also have this sense of just like yeah it's family and kinship of like 
even if I don't know someone well, I've seen their face at least once a year for some of them like 10 years now. So even if we're not close friends, we're old friends at this point. So everyone I see there, it's kind of like, oh yeah, like we've done this thing. We've shared this very um, important and intimate part of our lives for so long. And yeah, because Harry Potter is constantly a balm against the world burning. Um, it's good to stay connected to that and to people who use the messaging um, of the books to try to do good in the world. That it's kind of like, as you're describing it, I'm like, oh, it's obviously how you feel when you reread the series. You're going back to Hogwarts. I get that feeling. I get it. <laughs> well, I have a question for you from Anju. She wanted to make sure we ask you this. What did your parents think when you were getting into the fandom hardcore? <laughs> this is a great question, Andrew. Oh, my God. Um, so I think about this a lot because when I was getting into the fandom hardcore, what that looked like was I was 15. I would come home from school and I would just shut myself in my room for hours. And my parents, like, God love them, they didn't really push back on that at all. Like, if anything, like, I was like, excuse me, please knock on my door before you enter. Cause, but that wasn't related to Harry Potter. That's because I was like dancing Bollywood in the mirror. Um, and I didn't want to get caught. But like, that doesn't, that's not good optics for a teenager to be shut in your room all the time, like with your computer and stuff. And I don't think it ever occurred to anyone, at least of all me, like what I could be doing. It's like, yeah, I'm just spending eight hours a day in the MuggleCast fan chat talking to like my best friend who lives in California. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was good. And then they, they, I love Harry Potter, which is a good thing that when I was eight and I was stopped being social during that road trip, they were like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, here, read the book. And then they were like, oh, we totally get it. So they've been reading them all as long as I have. So they understood that part. They were glad. There's um, an interview with Melissa and Ellie from a long time ago that was like, yeah, it's like a little strange for people to see like everyone getting together and like geeking out about Harry Potter but uh I believe she said and I quote it's a lot better than sitting around and smoking pot which <laughs> I again as a teenager I was like yeah if anyone tries to give me shit that's what I have to say uh so and then my mom actually came with me to my first convention because you need you need an adult chaperone um until I think it was like at 16 you can go without but I was 15 for the first one she came she like went to programming and she's uh, an academic she's in science so she was like wow like this is so cool they were like it was much older I feel like the fandom at the time was more um particularly academics and such and so she was like this is cool why are you going to more programming why are you hanging at the pool playing water quidditch <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute that your mom went with you to the first leaky con that you went to I just find it very hilarious that your parents would be like maybe worried about you a little bit <laughs> I, I, I like wanted to pivot from that question in two different directions. The first that I'm not going to follow is can mermaids play water quidditch and what's the World Cup for that? And then the second is, okay, so what was, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about being jilted and being Indian and how we're shitty Indians and, and because we, you know, we're not that well versed in the perfect Indian or whatever. And so like when you went to college and previously in the lost episodes, you had said that there wasn't a journalism school at, at your university. So you did communications. So, but like when you told your parents, Hey, entertainment writing, journalism, that's it for me. Did they have a similar reaction to your Harry Potter fandom? Or was that when, you know, Daisy stuff came up? No, I think, you know, I've done a decent job. I mean, this is credit to my parents too, for like, um, for how they raised me, because like, my mom is a dancer. So the arts were always very present. And she was someone who kept up with it, right? So like, 
when I was a kid, she had a dance company. She still has a dance company and like teaches um, and performs. So it was the precedent in our house was that, yeah, you can pursue the arts and keep them in your life. Like she was, she's a full-time job um, is that she's a scientist, but, but she's kept dance alive and she's trained extensively. Um, and she's still really, really plugged into that. So I think I did a good job, like with the Harry Potter thing. And even with entertainment journalism was just like, it snuck up on all of us, but it was always there. Like by the time I was like, okay, I'm going to do communications. It wasn't a surprise for anybody. Cause I was already sort of the direction in which I was headed. Like it made sense with my, interests in my extracurriculars uh, and whatnot and then the same thing with Harry Potter like I had just been doing it long enough like I'd been at that point going to conventions every year so when I was like oh I'm going to like work for LeakyCon or like hey I'm still going but now I'm a panelist I mean now they can't do anything because I'm an adult but like even then it's just like it's been a cool progression for them too to be like oh like like they heard that I was interviewing Harry and the Potters and they're like oh I remember that that first concert in 2006 like they've been with me for the whole journey. Oh, that's so nice. I don't tell my parents anything I do. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> Big difference. Yeah. I just do it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that thing. Um, I remember when we were interviewing you the first time, and I thought, are you shitty at all? <laughs> and you were talking about how your parents were the shitty Indians. Could you expand on that a little bit? Oh, yeah. I loved um, I loved reclaiming that uh, <laughs> For them because um, yeah when you guys asked me I thought that was such a great interesting question and I realized that I'm a shitty Indian because I've been like raised by shitty Indians it's like I was raised in a home where you where you keep the arts alive when like my dad was super into like movies and comedy and, and music and then my mom as I said was um, was always really into dance and like took me to performances from a young age to classes and everything so and which a lot of Indian parents do but it was even then like looking back like the fact the difference was that she was still doing it um, and I think that was really important for like when I wanted to bring stuff back or keep going with it um, at the time I was like I was really shitty then because like I had a dance teacher in my house so of course I extremely took it for granted and like was so so lazy like I was good I had like a natural talent but I was very lazy and now I look back and I'm like if you had just like worked at it you'd be so much better now <laughs> now there's stuff that I'm like now I'm like I can't do anything I feel like touch my toes and I'm like well you know if you tried to touch your toes even once as a child, like maybe then. Um, and then the other, what was, yeah. So like now I feel like I'm just, I've really become my parents and then I've just like internalized all of that stuff. Like I write about TV and movies every day at work. And then I like go to dance rehearsal afterward. And it's like, it's, it's a very nice, I hope they're proud seeing this like actual just fusion of who they are. That That's amazing. I really, I like hearing that you said you were reclaiming that title for them. So thank you for acknowledging that it's great to be a shitty Indian because yeah. you get to live free. <laughs> so let's all be shittier Indians, honestly. Exactly. Let's all be shittier Indians. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. You mentioned your writing. I recently saw a couple of your uh, Mashable articles like the Handmaid's Tale season three Scream With Us article. Talk a little bit about your writing career. Like, how did it start? What's your favorite kind of writing to do? How did you end up at Mashable? All of the things. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, whenever people ask me how I got into my career path, I tell them it's because I have no other marketable skills. And they laugh, but it's true. <laughs> 
That's not true at all. As somebody who recently considered giving it all up to become an escort, I'm laughing internally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I mean, I obviously like I do like dance is still part of my life, but I will be the first person to tell you that I am not good enough to like drop everything and pursue that full time. Or, you know, like maybe the laziness will come back then and like my knees clicking out. Anyway, it's not even it hasn't even been a a conversation. Um, And then Harry Potter is a great job for one weekend a year. So I was just always, I liked writing, and then um, I got more into it, the journalism side of it in high school, then did communications, wrote for the newspaper at Michigan, and it was only at the newspaper that I met people who were considering doing that full-time as a career, and I had, like, toyed with it. I'd been like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to go to school for journalism, and then I joined the Michigan Daily, wrote for the art section, and was like, oh, this is fun, like, this kind of journalism I want to do. I don't think I want to write about real news. I was like, I've been, like, reading Entertainment Weekly for a long time, so I was like, I wish this could be my job, and now it, now it is, which is cool. And then the Mashable part, this is, here's the best thing. I actually got my job at Mashable because of a Harry Potter friend. Oh, wow. I didn't spend enough time on MuggleNet. <laughs> <laughs> This is a, a later, an adulthood Harry Potter friend, um, my friend Aliza, who I worked with. We worked on the creative team at LeakyCon together. And the first summer we met, yeah, this was 2015, my first year on the creative team. And then she was like, oh, yeah, she worked in audience development at Mashable. And then we, like, came back after the convention. She was like, oh, we have, um, there's an opening for an entertainment intern. Uh, if you apply, I'll, like, let the editor know. Uh, so I applied, and she let the editor know. I interviewed with uh, the editor at the time, got the internship. And I've basically been there, other than, like, a three-month period when my internship ended, I have been there ever since. That was September 2015. Oh, wow. Wow. What has been your, I don't want to ask biggest achievement, because then that makes it seem like you have nothing more to achieve, but what has been the most exciting thing that you've gotten to cover at Mashable? Um, Ooh, you're such great questions, guys. Um, Really early in my internship like within a month of my internship was the uh was it was like the date from back to the future that like marty mcfly travels to in the future in the second movie and it was also like the 30 year anniversary or something of the movie and they had like a big red carpet event in new york with just like all like everyone who had worked on that movie which has been my favorite movie since i was like nine (laughs) my we weren't even like planning to cover it much but my editor was like yeah you love this so like go check it out and like see if we can write about it um, and I was just there, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like, who who let me be here? Who let me be here is a regular refrain. Um, that was a really fun one that I only, like, I thought about recently and remembered because I'd done so many events. I was like, wait, that was super cool. I also had a great, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done was, um, I had, I don't know how, again, this happened. I was interviewing Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman for Logan, <gasps> which in itself is very cool, right? And it was a, but it was a video interview. And usually for video interviews, you get like five minutes and like maybe for print, you can get 10 to 15. They gave me 25 minutes. Oh my god! And at that point, like I love X-Men. So I was just able to, I had questions, but we, you know, eventually I was like, there was no pressure to like burn through all of them because we had so much time. So we were just kind of just like sitting and hanging out and talking about X-Men and it was so much fun. Oh my god. Oh wow. I've heard though that Hugh Jackman's a very gracious, generous person with other people. So background on this, yeah, he was lovely. They're both great, just, like, very, just gracious, like, kind people. Um, But I, the background of this is I had met Hugh Jackman before because I used to work at a summer camp in Michigan, and one year he was filming and he sent his kids there. 
And so he just, like, like once or twice a week for, like, a month, I would just see Hugh Jackman, like, in the wild <laughs> as a dad. <laughs> he would, like, drive by, pick up his kids. He'd be like, hi, how you doing? I'm Hugh. And we were all like, yeah, we yeah. know. <laughs> hey, Logan. <laughs> uh, it was so funny. Like, uh, And, yeah, he was absolutely, at the time, he was really, really great. Um, he was super down to earth he was like great with great with the kids and he um he doesn't take photos in front of his kids which i really respect and like no one was like asking thank god because we were like trying to be professional and like i was like no i have to like clean up this paint that a child has spilled like um so it was a good it was like an early experience for me with just like like being cool and being professional around a celebrity which is a skill that i now use a lot um and yeah and of just like meeting one that turned out to be really great and nice well, next time we see each other, you're going to have to teach me that skill because I am a notorious spazzer. So <laughs> I tell them that I tell them who they are. I'm like, you are so-and-so. <laughs> I'll know that I'm a little bit invested or nervous depending on like how much I'm sweating from my armpits, which is great because it's usually it's just like it, no one will see, no one will know that. And like my, maybe my hand will shake or something. That hasn't happened in a while, but like. There was one recently that it had, like, I think it had just been a while since I did an interview, and I was like, hey, why am I sweating? And it was just, like, my body's response to being put back in this situation. (laughs) It's like, fight, flight, fight, flight, what are we doing here? Mm. (laughs) Yeah, is it cold? Is it hot? Is it just me? I don't know. (sighs) Is this menopause? (laughs) She is 20. I asked that. I've been asking that since I was 15. Sometimes it'll happen during... A phone interview, which is good. I'm like, you can't even see me, but like, why am I sweating? <laughs> <laughs> um, any aspirations to write in other idioms or other genres? Uh, yeah, so I've been, um, my like first and best friend that I made at the Michigan Daily um, way back in like 2010, he put this idea in my head. He was like, like, we were just talking, and I was like, oh yeah, I think I want to like be a journalist. And he was like, nah, like, journalism's dead. You should be a TV writer. And I was like, two very bold statements. I was like, you are an editor at a newspaper. You can't say journalism is dead. Um, but then as soon as he said it, he was, as soon as he was like, nah, you should be a TV writer. I was like, oh, I should be a TV writer. And like, I didn't ever like look back or question it. Like I was like, yeah. And then we kind of just like jumped on that idea and I held on to it moving forward. So even like every time I've been between jobs or like had a break since like college, I've tried to write more, write, like, scripts and stuff. Um, It's constantly a process. Like, sometimes an idea will come and take hold and take root and I'll flush it out. Sometimes it will be, like, pulling teeth and take a really long time. But I um, have a production company with a couple of other Desi girls who I met through dance, and we all have different um, interests within, like, production, but also, like, really want to be doing that. Um, And that's been a great way for me to write some of my, like, weird comedy short ideas or, like, just, just to film stuff, just to, like, make myself write or be on set and whatnot so yeah I love doing that I like that you know right now I have a job so it's not stressful in terms of like you know paying bills and stuff um but it would be nice to have more time to do it but I think I could apply that to anything in my life is to say like I wish there were more time I'm a big proponent of make your own art and I'll probably talk to you offline about your production company because my web series is coming out in October and so it was a trial and a half to get made so I would rather <laughs> talk to people who who know about this stuff than than muddle through oh, season yeah. I, two 
in terms of like money and stuff, I don't know shit. I will talk to you too because I want to know how you did it. I am paying off that degree from law school. That's the only reason I have money. So <laughs> that, that degree put me in the door in a lot of the right places. I think production is just like, it's just project management. Yeah. And it's like you can't star and direct in something when your cast and production company is two people, right? So you both can't star and you both can't direct. You both can't make sure the camera zooms in. It's terrible when we're in scenes together. But yeah, we made it work. <laughs> I do want to go back to what you said, though, about um, the law degree, because that is actually one. And this is so like, again, becoming our parents where that is one thing where like, Communications was good. It was a great degree. I like it applied to my job, but I would, had I had other marketable skills, as we have discussed, I did not done a different degree. And that is something now that I feel like if I were like giving advice to young people, I would be like, do a useful degree because for entertainment media, like the field experience is most important and you can do a lot of research or like classes and stuff and like learn about it. Um, but those like few years before I landed Nashville, when I was like struggling, temping, just like trying to land, that was really hard. And just like, I was just kind of like directionless and was like, I don't know if this is going to work and I'm going to keep trying, but. Uh, yeah. As a schmuck with a doctorate in music, although I'm not a schmuck for that, I'm proud of it and I have used it, but, um, artists always say no. Don't take the route I took, please. Because, you know, it's nutty. I'm a writer. I did my writing for shits and giggles for years. And now it's my job. Like, as an instructional designer. It's nuts. I, I, I'm not in a creative profession. And I will say the same thing about law school. I'm like, don't go. If there's any other dream you have, do not yourself through this <laughs> I'm gathering something and I think that thing is is because I'm listening to you talk about your life promo and I'm just inspired and and I think somebody could listen to any other brown girls like any brown girl who's done something I think somebody can listen to their story and go oh I want to do that and then they might do they might go the same path as you but like it's so crazy how they'll still end up in a place that's great for them eventually hopefully you know yeah that's so that is a, the crazy part like I've a lot of people have asked me for career advice in the past several years and I'm like you know it doesn't work until it does like it's really hard until it's simple and like that's such a cop-out when like yeah. someone just wants you know advice but I'm like yeah it's gonna suck for a while it's gonna be really hard and you're gonna throw shit at a wall or like not be able to get your foot in the door but once you do you got to push through and just like knock that thing down. Oh my God. That is the absolute best way you could have ended this interview. We want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, especially after our original snafu. But before we let you go, like tell us where people can find you, what you're working on, where do you want them to to see you and seek you out? Yes. Okay. So I actually, um, right. Was this before the Geekon? Right after the Geekon? I launched my website, which is just like, a lot of like older relatives are very impressed that I just like made a website. I was like, no, no, like the impressive stuff is what I have been working on. The website is just one place to keep it all. But so if you type in my name now, promocosla.com, um, I have like, I put it all in one place. So there's like comedy, editorial, dance, um, production is all there. And then the latest, like, I mean, I'm always, I'm writing stuff on Mashable like every week, if not every day. So I'm gonna keep doing that, I guess. I'm trying to think what I'm writing next, but by the time this comes out, like, who knows what other trailers will have dropped or whatnot. But yeah, that's a good, like, there's no, I never 
sorry, let me start over. I don't really post every article like to Twitter or Facebook because just like there's so many. Like my team just publishes a lot as you as you've seen from like looking up my author page. I am working on I'm doing some comedy in fall, which is nice. Um and I have those gigs listed if people are in New York and then uh, I have my, I didn't talk about dance at all, but I, the Bollywood um, show that I'm part of, Bollywood Boulevard, we have one more show in New Jersey on September 20th, and it is so, so much fun. Like, I'm in it, so like, yeah, I'm biased, but like, I've watched, the first time I watched a video of the full show, I was like, oh, this is cool, like, this is fun, like, I know what it's like behind the scenes, I hadn't seen it before. It's so much fun, it's basically like a crash course in Bollywood from like, early days, like, black and white era through to the modern era, and we have like a million costume changes and dances and it's like live music so that this next like september october i'm doing a lot of dance stuff and kind of focusing on that oh and the LeakyCon boston in october my twitter and instagram handle is promo what up which is was made for me in 2009 during a harry potter convention by two people who are still my among my closest harry potter friends they just like Everyone was on Twitter at the time, and I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to make one. Literally, I just was too lazy to make one. And then <laughs> they were like, you're stupid. We'll make one for you right now. So they did, and they made the password like their names. Um, I've changed the password, but yeah, and they were like, okay, it's like, it's promo it up for now, but you could change it. And I just, I've never changed it, and now it's been 10 years. Now it's part of the yeah. brand. It's part of the brand. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well... We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope all of you listeners are uh, going to check out Promo's social media sites, her websites, and see what she's up to. For sure, check her out on Mashable. Those articles are hilarious. Um, and until then, this has been Miranda, Pooja, and Promo with the Jilted Indian Podcast. We came with love and courage and hope you go with peace and power. Peace.